to Whoology, a real-world theology podcast that breaks down episodes of Doctor Who, hosted by myself and my lovely Whovian wife, Laura. Hi. What is up, Laura? Not much, Mikey. Excellent. Well, Except that it's your birthday today. Oh, it is my birthday. As we're recording this, we uh, it is my birthday, so this is the special birthday edition yes. remix this is bir- remix. This is the birthday remix edition, which means that we basically do exactly what we do every episode. So I hope you're ready for that. But this is episode eight, and on this episode, we are talking Mummy of the Orient Express, which sounds a lot like murder on the Orient Express, oh. except with a different M word. This is episode eight of season eight, so we're eights across the board. Episode eight of Whoology is season eight. Eight Episode is my favorite eight. number. Is it your favorite number? It's my favorite number. I didn't know that. Hmm. I feel like I should have known you that. You shouldn't say that publicly. I feel like I should have known that. You should have known that. I'd assume it was 13, like my favorite number. Nope. Because you just love all of my favorite numbers. Nope. Nope. Okay, so now we're distracted. So, Mummy on the Orient Express is a kind of a different trajectory than I expected to get this week. I actually <laughs> read some articles, and I wasn't the only one. Well, I guess we weren't the only ones. I think after last episode, we fully expected to get a solo doctor Mm -hmm. excursion. Maybe with like a Clara sighting at the very end Mm -hmm. or something like that. And this episode starts out, and remember, as always, spoilers, um, with Clara and the doctor together. Which was a complete shock to me. Laura, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, all of us were when we were watching it. We were kind of like, what's she doing there? Because she wasn't in the trailers. Mm-mm. Yeah, they, they specifically made sure that she was not there. Yeah, which kind of, um, I don't know, that whole thing doesn't doesn't sit right with me. Because if they like took her out of the trailers so that you weren't expecting her to be there, it seems like they would want to throw her in there in like a crazy, oh, Claire's in this kind of way. But it's just like, they're walking down the TARDIS like, hey, what's up? I mean, it just was like... <laughs> I think that's exactly what they said. Yes. Hey, watch out. <laughs> it was just very anticlimactic for something that was a shock. And I don't know why they did that. Okay, well, I think they did it. Well, okay, so how do you feel about how they kind of brought us into that? Because what they did was they ended up having conversations, well... I guess Claire and the Doctor didn't have conversations. Clara had conversations mm-hmm. about their falling out. We learned quickly that they are on... You know, they're doing one last hurrah. This is her final outing. And boom, she'll be done. Mm-hmm. Now, given they obviously have very different ideas of what done means. Mm-hmm. but So how do, you, how do you feel like the episode brought us along in that, in that light? I actually... Especially after having some distance away from it and reading some reviews that were really good, I it actually worked for me. I did think that um, that they did a great job uh, as always. Like I think they have a pretty good rapport, um, Jenna Louise Coleman and Peter Capaldi. Um, and I really felt this tension of so this is what's happening, right? And the other person saying like, "Is it?" And just being completely on two separate pages the whole time, not really sure what the other person is thinking or feeling or what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, that um, was really that came full circle when you realized that General, well, okay, I was going to say General Louise Coleman, but Clara, Clara um, really didn't know what she wanted either. And mm-hmm. she kind of discovers at the end something she didn't know about herself. Yeah. Um, so I think it worked. Yeah. Now, 
I think we kind of waffle back and forth on like, are we trying to get away from them as a couple kind of metaphor or are we, you know, are, are we just embracing it? And I don't, I can't necessarily say the show has decided mm-hmm. because even though they make, they go to great lengths to say, look, this isn't like a, a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. Mm-hmm. They keep coming back to that metaphor so often. They just keep yeah. keep coming back to that well that I, I'm not exactly sure uh, they know what they want to do, or they don't know how to describe their situation without using a relatable metaphor like the boyfriend girlfriend situation. Mm-hmm. But I did like, and what you were saying earlier, the not knowing what the other person means. Like mm-hmm. this is the this is the classic almost uh, romantic comedy part, or the unfortunate real life instance mm-hmm. where. You know, the the girl or the woman is like, oh, I just need some space. And both of them are like, okay, we can do space. But they both have completely different ideas of what space means. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, I'm probably not the only guy out there. So, you know, someone said I need a little bit of space. And I'm like, what do you mean space? You mean like... We only text now, or we? Well, I didn't ever have to mean when we had text. I'm old, so <laughs> uh, Laura has never wanted me to stop texting her. So, uh, you know, like, do you want me to not call you anymore? Do mm-hmm. we just not hang out in public? Uh, do you, you know, do we only see each other when we're in groups of friends, or do we just limit how much we hang out, or we only, you know, are we limiting our time, mm-hmm. or we're limiting our phone time, we're limiting our in- FaceTime, or et cetera, et cetera? And you know, I love it when. You know, she's like, I don't, you know, you wouldn't come around at dinner parties because they're boring and, you know, or, you know, because you might think they're boring. He's like, are they boring? No, of course they're not boring. um, (laughs) Well, see, I think it was, it was written to show that that whole concept that you're talking about where the girl says, I want some space. And the guy's like, what do you mean? That is, is showing that when that, that the girl doesn't even know what she means, that Mm -hmm. that's like this in between space where nobody is certain about what they want. They're not really sure how they feel about something. They're trying to figure it out. They want to be with somebody, but they don't want to be with them. They don't know what they want. And I think that's pretty clear about Claire's position, at least in the beginning of this episode. You know, it was clear that she really didn't know what she wanted from him. Um, And that's an interesting place for Clara's character to be because she's always been the person who is so sure of herself. She knows exactly what she wants. You know, she says to Madame Vastra, if anyone flirted with a mountain range, it would be me. You know, if anyone could flirt with a mountain range, it could be me. Like, she she can do anything she puts her mind to. Mm -hmm. And she, um, especially at the end of the episode, um, she sees as well as we do that she has this place where she's got blinders on where she can't see her own flaws or faults or problems so she sees that she doesn't see she does no she doesn't you don't think she sees yet no i don't think she's completely lying to herself well but she is the one who uses the word addiction and so i think maybe she i mean she's aware of it she's cognizant of it to some degree but she well, it's okay. choosing to be ignorant. So I think this is the thing about an addiction. Most of the time, like you have to, you know, we, we go through this, the 12 steps or whatever. Like you have to admit that you have a problem. And I think everything or well, the things that I really love about this episode, um, even though I had to go through th- some episode, some pieces in some episodes that I really didn't like. This episode, to me, explains so much of the questions and the frustrations that I have with previous episodes. Because mm-hmm. almost everything 
in this episode shows what an addict does. Yeah. I mean, she's basically redirecting her problems to someone else. She's like, it's not me. It's this other person. You know, it's you. Yeah. You're the reason that I seem to have a problem. Uh, you're the re- like you're addicted to something. Hmm. Like you're the one who's weird. Oh, you know, she's just she, putting it on him. Yeah, so she's basically accusing the doctor mm-hmm. of having uh, an addiction problem to making hard choices. And he was like, how can you know you're addicted to something if you never try to quit it? Mm-hmm. You know, the doctor's owning his stuff. He's like, I'm not trying to stop doing mm-hmm. this stuff. You know, I'm, this is what I do. Man, come to think of it, you're right. There are, like... Yes. Let's just go back to that part. You're right. It's probably just because it's my birthday. That's right. I'm guilting you. Um, I'm thinking back on, um, oh, which episode is it? I think it's the um, the one that takes place at the school, and I can't think of what it's called right now. Come on, help, Mikey. Oh, no. The you, one that takes place. You, you didn't tell me fast enough. I'm not going to look this up. Oh. Okay, well, that one that we really didn't like at all. Um, she says she's running around, like, going places with the doctor and then coming back and doing things with Danny. And she sits down and looks herself in the mirror and says, I can't do this anymore. And then she says, yes, I can. I've got it all under control. Mm-hmm. I mean, like... <laughs> so, yeah, that that calls some things into clarity from previous episodes. Although... Well, that's the caretaker. Although, I wish they could have done it in a way where you didn't... <laughs> where it was... It didn't feel like torture to go through some of the other episodes to get to the clarifying moment. Oh, yeah. And well, and that's the hardest part because, like I said, most... Um, I didn't think this was the greatest episode of the entire world. Um, and there are some people who were like, this is a revelation. Well, hmm. I would agree. It is a revelation. But I think this this revelation, as a standalone episode, is very is very tough for me to enjoy. But... Like a lot of Moffat things, you take this episode and you add it to, you know, the two or three previous episodes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, that makes some of this stuff a little easier to swallow. I mean, this this episode in and of itself completely, like, justifies to me Clara's outburst in the last one. Yeah. Because it's basically, I, I basically see an addict, you know, like someone who's struggling with, like, alcohol or anything else. And they're... They see what their the damage that their addiction is causing, mm-hmm. and they just lash out at other people. Yeah, and if that's not what they're trying to do, that's what I see. Um, and this is what this is a great this is one of those great moments where uh, if you see something different out there, this is the point where you can have great conversations with us, mm-hmm. and we can all have great conversations about this because. Like I said, to me, when when I think of people who are really addicted to something, whether it's a substance or, you know, some kind of task or whatever, like this is what we tell ourselves. Not only do we tell ourselves that it's really not hurting anybody, when it starts to hurt people, we almost always blame some someone else. And we get angry because we're really mad at ourselves. Mm-hmm. This is, again, why if you go back to Kill the Moon, like I thought even though he could have been kinder about it, he was treating Clara like, you want to be here. This is your decision. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't handle it. She was like, oh my gosh. I, f- I felt like I was watching someone who hadn't had, a, like an alcoholic that hadn't had a drink or, you know, someone who's been without their drug or they're making excuses to get back to, you know, whatever it is that they can't live without. Heck, you know, watching football on Sunday... You know, whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is that your addiction or 
watching football, you know, <laughs> for our British listen. I don't, I'm not, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, ignore everything I just said. So, <laughs> you know, everyone's got like some kind of addiction. And the best part of, well, the best part, the unfortunate part about it is that with addiction, it's a great metaphor for sin. Because sin is one of those things that we often tell ourselves isn't hurting anyone else. Um, we can stop doing at any time. Mm-hmm. And we'll almost always justify, um, especially if someone points it out to us or if we start to realize what it is, we'll always justify lessen, uh, lessening and lessening it until it's almost gone. But it still has that power over us. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, it's like, oh, if I, you know, treat this person like crap or if I do, the, if I do this one sin, but I only, I only do it like once a week. I used to do it every day. You know, whatever, whatever that is. We're like, it's okay because I don't do it as much. You know, if Claire, Claire is thinking like, well, if I don't travel quite as much or if I'm with Danny most of the time mm-hmm. and I travel with the Dr. Les, that's basically what she was arranging at the beginning of this episode. She's basically like, well, you'll still come and visit. We'll still see you occasionally. We'll still, you know, we're not letting go of you. Mm-hmm. This thing that's being destructive in my life. He's saying it's got to be all or nothing, kind of. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, I, um, it's interesting to hear your thoughts on that. Because that's something that, I mean, I, th- I think that's an interesting new metaphor to explore that I'm not sure I've se- we've seen before or I haven't seen before. Um, is this idea that people... That that it could be a bad thing that people continue to do this and continue to do this and can't stop being with the doctor or, or traveling. Um, so it's interesting to hear your take on that. I There were several reviews that really helped clarify some things for me in this clarify? episode. Clarify? Yeah. Uh-oh. And uh, one of them is that um, kind of something you said a while back, you were talking about like them continuing to hearken back to this idea of like the love triangle or the, ramble for a while. the possible relationship between Clara and the doctor. And I, and that, it bothers me that that continues to come up because it's pretty clear to me that that's not even a thing, mm-hmm. that it's not, that Clara and the doctor are never going to be that. And so it seems kind of like mudding the water to even throw that metaphor in there. Um, and this one review by the AV Club really helped me understand why that feels so off to me. Um, I'm going to quote them. They say, The idea that the companion travels with the doctor because she loves him feels like it misses the point. Yes, the doctor is a mysterious, charming, alluring figure, but he's just the designated driver. It's all of time and space. Now shut up and show me a planet, as Claire demands at the end. And yes, that great spirit of adventure that is really at the core of Doctor Who's appeal. Given the choice of walking away for that, from that for good, Claire finds that her deeply mixed feelings for the Doctor are not enough to offset her love of that adventure. So I feel like many of these episodes have been fixated on like this relationship between Claire and the Doctor and can they reconcile it and how do they feel about each other. Um, but it was, it was cool to kind of step back and think about it from that point of view that maybe it's not necessarily about that relationship at the core, maybe that's the relationship itself is not what Clara is addicted to. Maybe it's the, the adventure, the travel, the, Mm -hmm. you know, new things all the time in space and not being able to walk away from that, knowing that it's there. Well, that's the thing. I think one of the things that I, like I said, again, I like the most about this episode is if you take away, or if you don't know, 
whoops, if you if you don't know what this episode's about, because we haven't really even talked about what this episode mm-hmm. deals with, like the situation, the mummy or the Orient Express or the fake Orient Express. Mm-hmm. If you just heard these people talking, you could easily assume that everything that she's talking about is like alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like, oh, well, I can still, you know, I'm not quitting drinking. I mean, like, you'll still be there for dinner parties, right? Like, I can still have alcohol at social occasions. Or it's like, oh, no, they're fine. I'm completely cool. Or the alcohol. I can't believe the alcohol made me lie. Hmm. You know? But the alcohol didn't lie. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not what made her lie. Like, she lied Mm -hmm. because she wanted, you know, the alcohol. Obviously, we're not talking about alcohol. But, like, that's, that's, I think, the beauty of this thing. I mean, it it brings out the worst in her. It explains her outbursts. It explains her making excuses to all her friends. It's... It's basically like she's in she's in when she's sitting with uh, May Maze, mm-hmm. um, Maisie. Maisie, I think it's Maisie. It's spelled Maisie, but um, uh, when when she's sitting there, to me, she looked like she was in her first AA meeting. And Maze is like, yeah, you know, the, the thing is, when something's terrible, you can basically quit just like that. And she's like, oh no, you can't just quit. And she's like, well, some people can't just <laughs> yeah. quit, you know. And, and, I mean, like. Like I said, I think that's that's one of the things that I really, really love. I thought they, they got that right. Mm-hmm. They basically wrote an addiction episode and framed this other stuff around it mm-hmm. and used something else as the, like I said, as a, we're, we're using alcohol in our example, but it really could be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we take whatever we're addicted to, we could put that in the same place. You know, whether it's being right or like, you know, it's okay to let go or being in control. You know, anything that you think is good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put I, that in there. Yeah, I like where this. I like where this episode went with Clara, but I almost ha- feel like I have to caveat that with that. I wish that we could have just gotten this episode and not gotten so much of her in all the other episodes because it made me feel like at the end of this episode, which I really enjoyed. I think one of the first things I said was like, "Why do we have to have more so much of her? It's all about her," and it feels like. A lot of the story arc from this season is all focused on her and how she's handling her life with the doctor, yada, yada. When I just feel like we could have had, I mean, like we haven't even talked about, we're so focused on the Clara thing, um, which is poignant in this episode, but we haven't even gotten to the awesome setting of this, Mm -hmm. you know, very interesting setting of this episode and the music and the costumes and the story itself, the the big bad, the monster, the um, mystery that everybody has to figure out together. Mm-hmm. Um, there were parts of this episode that were interesting and fun and very um, uh, and, and gripping, but we haven't talked about any of that because we're so fixated on Clara. I feel like that's that <laughs> is just a, a example of what the season has been. Okay, well, let's quickly shift to that before we have to wrap up. Um, so in this episode, there is a mummy that only people can see if they have 66 seconds to live. They've been, they've been, um, chosen yeah, as been a chosen. victim. They have 66 seconds. To um, live. and this mummy basically comes at them in 66 seconds. It kills them. Um, and then basically resets and the next, we find out weakest person, whether that's physically or mentally on the train is chosen until... Hypothetically, everyone will be killed. Mm-hmm. Um, we also find out that the doctor's been invited to this train many times. The train is no, not really the Orient Express. It's basically a laboratory. Um, 
It's got a whole bunch of scientists, basically experts in the field. Um, we're told, not shown, mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, that all these people are specifically on the train, except for some reason there's also cooks um, that they bring along for some reason. People gotta eat. I guess. Um, so, you know, we have this thing and we, we go through a very long kind of what's happening Typical Doctor Who kind of episode, get to the bottom of it. But we see some interesting things that we would probably want to highlight on this show. One is the Doctor doesn't seem to have a problem letting people die. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can argue that that's either because he's got his eyes set on the greater good or he's so fascinated by the mystery that he doesn't really care about mm-hmm. life as much as we have come to expect. Yeah, it's interesting because it's so easy to look at his... Even while I was watching, it was so easy to look at his attitude towards people that were dying and to say, I can't believe he's being such a jerk. Like, he really has no sentimentality. He has no feelings towards any of these people. But if you think about the things that he, his position, I mean, he's he's put on the sidelines. He's not putting himself on the sidelines. He's been put on the sidelines by the situation. Mm-hmm. There's nothing he can do, literally. And in order to care about others... He has to be callous about these people because he's saying, all right, I have a chance to gather more information about something I have no information on and no way of getting it except for this person's sacrifice. Um, it, it, at one point, he tells uh, his temporary companion, Perkins, mm-hmm. is that his name? Perkins on this adventure. Um, he tells them people with a gun to their head don't have time to mourn. And, that, and they really do. They all have a gun to their heads saying... You have to solve this before you all die. Mm-hmm. So he has no choice. And yet when we, just like Clara, when we look into the situation, we are quick to say, Doctor, why aren't you being better? Why mm-hmm. aren't you being kinder? But um, no one else is doing anything. Yeah. Everybody else is just standing around twiddling their thumbs. We assume because once again, there's <laughs> we, no yeah, development We don't see of any anything. Of yeah. Um, but he is actually working really hard to, to solve the mystery. And, um, Again, another review I read that was was really excellent from the AV Club. Did I already read from them? Yes, mm-hmm. I did. Um, he says, uh, The doctor so often mitigates his more callous actions by his willingness to place himself in harm's way. So even though he seems really, really callous and unfeeling, in the end, he's typically the only person who's willing to jump in there at the last minute and throw himself on the sword. Mm-hmm. And he and we see that in this episode, which to me, it reminded me of some of the things that David Tennant would do. You know, he would say, I'm the one, you know, silence in the library. I'm the one that needs to be hooked up to the machine, you know, like, and Riversong doesn't let him. Um, and it's because of, like, his willingness to sacrifice that people in the end see that he is good, that he's worth following. Um, well, I mean, and I, I believe it could be a little bit of a, a Jesus juke, but, I mean, like... <laughs> He he takes on the pain and suffering of another person to basically put himself in a situation or a, a place of sacrifice mm-hmm. for the whole train. Yeah. Um, I mean... Which is a great and nice and tidy metaphor, except for the fact that there's like... It is impossible to tell when the doctor is doing something because he cares or when the doctor is doing something because he wants to know the answer or he yeah. wants to be right or he wants to, so. you know... So I think there's a little bit of that going on here, too. Yeah. Um, I think it would be remiss to not mention that we have a continuing soldier theme. Mm-hmm. And this one that we've seen in previous ones, not only with the uh, the captain, uh, Captain Quill, who uh, has to be kind of uh, goaded by the doctor, 
Um, but ultimately is grateful to the doctor's goading. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, basically is thinks he finally has a good death, you know, mm-hmm. after having PS, uh, PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, we also see that the mummy himself was a soldier in a long forgotten war. So, I mean, mm-hmm. so he, the, the mummy is a soldier in a long forgotten war figured out by a soldier from a long forgotten war. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I think there's lots of parallels there. They're really driving this home. Um, and I think that we're only going to see more of it in the future. And the last thing in this episode is the big question that I didn't really think to ask until a little bit later, but they basically put it out there for us, and it's, did the doctor really save everyone? Yeah. We really only see Perkins and Clara. Mm-hmm. Um, and Perkins either saw something with his interactions with the doctor to make him not want to stay on. Mm-hmm. Or he just saw the doctor have to make a really tough choice and how that would change people. Um, or knows, you know, to be able to make that kind of choice, you would have had, you know, staying on the TARDIS for a long period of time would change you. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of evidence, especially rule number one about the doctor, mm-hmm. that would suggest that he, in his kind of flippant, um, almost jovial manner, Giving Clara, like, oh, yeah, well, of course I could have always just didn't save anybody and only saved you, mm-hmm. you know, but. And I, I actually really, I really felt like he delivered that line incredibly mm-hmm. because you couldn't tell which way it was going. And also, I just felt like a, a, I sensed in his performance this heaviness that. He had to, he, that's the choice he would have to make, mm-hmm. you know, save everybody or just save the one person. Well, and tying everything in again together, like this is the same question we, well, I asked after the first episode, you know, did the, the half man jump or was he pushed? Mm-hmm. And we don't know. I think we're going to find out when we get to the final two episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. Because I think we're going to have a pretty high moral quandary with the Doctor, and he's going to have to overcome said quandary, um, hopefully, hmm. I guess. Because we we want to continue watching Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, but this, like I said, th- this episode was weird because it was good, um, and it, it made other episodes better mm-hmm. by its revelation. Um, so... The only problem with that was that that revelation was so big that we can hardly focus on the episode yeah, itself. Yeah, I kind of overshadowed the other great, great stuff about the episode. So with that, um, what what didn't you like about this episode? Um, I guess I'll have to say the, the thing that was f- foremost in my mind at the end, which is what you've mentioned before, that the train was full of experts in, you know, the field of archaeology and science and myth and all this kind of stuff and the only person that was of any help to him was some random engineer named Perkins who was along for the ride and I just felt like I felt like they were conveniently there but they weren't used for no reason that it wasn't because he was trying to show that the writers were trying to show that all these people were dumb and the doctor was awesome. It just felt like they couldn't be bothered with writing anything in for these people. Yeah, we don't have that much time. Yeah, it just flopped for me. Um, I think that was probably... And, and at the end, this bothered me, but I can, I can see why they put it in. Um, is that Clara basically suddenly says, um, 
she calls all of the the emotional turmoil that she's gone through with the doctor her just like a big mess up like a whoops that I'm sorry and I just feel like um I felt like that was kind of playing into this this unfortunate stereotype of women that we're all just moody and flippant and we can't make up our minds and oh you know don't listen to us I'm just stupid um, I, and so I wasn't really a big fan of that. And then that's how she characterized it. And the doctor was supposed to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. You were just being dumb. Well, men are used to women being dumb, apparently. So apparently there's that, stereo- is, there's, or- there's that stereotype as well. <laughs> so I didn't like that. But, I mean, if she is just um, grasping at straws to hang on to her addiction, I could maybe... Maybe be okay with it for that it's about <laughs> reason. A, it's about but... addiction, not about female stereotypes. Okay, then I guess that's fine. It just seemed to affirm a pretty unfortunate stereotype. Well, my biggest dislike was 50-50 because, like we talked about, the good part is they kind of explain Clara's erratic and, to me, incredibly frustrating to the point of almost being infuriating actions in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. So they explained it, but I am I was so far down the path now. I'm just like, I really wanted an episode without Clara. From I just wanted yeah. to explore that. I just wanted the doctor to go be the doctor. Mm-hmm. Just so I'd have an idea of who he was without a companion. So I could see the things that companion brought to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't feel like I've got Capaldi just as the doctor. Mm-hmm. I feel like we kind of get him that way uh, in this episode, more so than we have before but like i said i was just i was ready for clara to be gone yeah but i think we actually saw him doing that it was fun to watch him kind of get a new companion in mm -hmm. perkins to meet somebody new and do his thing with somebody new yeah um so that was fun but yeah i mean that's that's what i was saying before about the fact that this was great but it would have been better if it happened sooner Mm -hmm. and it, it just had been this episode and not a bunch of other things that we've seen well, let's end on a positive note, as okay. always. So, what, what what did you like about this episode? I'm a pretty big fan of, like, the 20s version of Don't Stop Me Now. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty fun. Um, it's always fun, too, to um, see them in space in the future saying, Oh, yes, these are all the, all the ancient songs. And then it's something from our era or something from not that long ago. And there were just a lot of fun callbacks to other Doctor Who, do- other doctors in other episodes. Um, I think I laughed out loud when he said, "Are you my mummy?" <laughs> <laughs> so there was some great stuff like that. Um, I did like that stuff. I actually had the uh, apparently it's an artist named Foxes who was singing that song. We listened to some of her remixes right before oh, yeah, this. Yeah, dancing to some of her remixes. That's right. Um, so, but I, I did love that cover of the Queen song. Uh, I really like Perkins. Like, I didn't like him at first because I thought they were just going to make him like a creepy guy mm-hmm. um, that wasn't a fully realized creepy guy. But then he kind of was like he he was the he was the de facto companion, mm-hmm. and I thought he did a great job because he was always kind of pushing the doctor, mm-hmm. but not overpowering the doctor or you know being throwaway to the doctor. Yeah. Um, and then having seen whatever it is he saw on top of what we got to see, having the wisdom. To kind of see that staying in the TARDIS would change a person. Yeah. And choosing not to. Yeah. So I, I just really liked his character. Like I said, not at first, but like I said, he grew on me, which is what I think most mm-hmm. of the good companions do. 
I think um, he made, there was like a, a switch there when he handed the doctor like the manifesto and all the architectural plans and stuff. And the doctor was like, it's kind of weird that you have all this. <laughs> and he's like, well, maybe I was looking into it already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was cool. So, it was good. So overall, like I said, this has been one of my, uh, one of my more enjoyed episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, yeah, I just wish it would have yeah. come a little bit sooner. Yeah. Oh, I totally forgot to mention, too, the whole mystery shopper thing oh, was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, there was some great stuff in here. Yeah, there was, Yeah, like I said, because I felt like we had the doctor being the doctor, mm-hmm. separate of, yeah. uh, of Clara, basically. And apparently, who the guy who wrote this episode is running, wrote the flatline, which is next. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll get some more of that stuff. Okay. Well, um, for now, uh, that's all we have. Please, please, please comment. Uh, we've enjoyed the comments that we've gotten so far. We enjoy continuing to discuss this stuff. We enjoy having opinions, but knowing that we are not the authority on interpreting everything that happens in a Doctor Who episode. No, if you're it, not. Well, whatever. It's my birthday. <laughs> if it was easy, then it wouldn't be worth talking about. Mm-hmm. So uh, keep that discussion going. Uh, discuss with us on Twitter. You can follow Laura at Laura underscore Fissile. You can follow me at Physification. And if you want to connect with the show, go to www.realworldtheology.com slash whoology. Uh, you can download the shows there. You can download the show on iTunes. Our theme song was written and recorded by Sindarin Relic. If you'd like to find out more about Sindarin Relic, you can go to soundcloud.com slash Sindarin Relic. And until next time, we are reminding you to always take a banana to a party. Like a birthday party. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers.